As you know, we are in the middle of this series in the book of Proverbs, which we've called Words to Live By. And after laying a foundation for us to stand on out of chapter 1, we have been looking at selective Proverbs week, week by week. Proverbs that give us very clear moral instruction, Proverbs that teach us how to live rightly, righteously, in a way that is pleasing to God, marked by integrity, marked by justice, marked by honesty, marked by care for one another. Well, this morning, I want us to look actually at a little cluster of Proverbs. They go together, you'll see that, and we find them in verses 20, 21, and 22 of Proverbs 26. So you follow along as I read, this is God's word. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Verse 20, once again, For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Father, we do need your help this morning. There is something we know in every one of our hearts that tends to deflect when your word is speaking to us. We are prone to think, I hope so-and-so is listening. God, help us. Let us receive your word as talking to us, each of us, and let us Receive it knowing it is your grace. God, I pray that you would help me preach with clarity and with appropriate conviction and with a humility that is appropriate in one who is also a sinner and who needs God's word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Emmaus parable number four. I know that's a brilliant title. Nonetheless, a parable for everyone young and old. Once upon a time, a long time ago, there was a woman named Hannah bar Ephraim. She was married to Joseph, who was known by all in the village of Emmaus as the much-respected and much-loved village blacksmith. And Hannah herself was much-loved and much-respected by the people of Emmaus. She was known for her quick laughter, her clever wit, her gracious care for people, but especially for her wisdom. She was just 43 years old, but because she spent time in God's Word every day, she had the wisdom of an 80-year-old. The women of Emmaus would often make it a point to seek her out for her thoughts on this or that, and they regularly found themselves the recipients of helpful perspective and insight and guidance. 
Every Tuesday, Hannah would take one of her daughters and make the rounds in the village to get eggs and milk and bread. They always saved the bread for last because they loved to linger and enjoy the smell of the fresh bread baking at the shop of Simon and Mary Ben Aaron. And they were not alone. The Ben Aaron home was a common gathering spot for the women of Emmaus. Simon had added on a room to the side of the house where the oven was and where there was room for people to wait as the loaves were turning that golden brown. And Mary definitely had to touch with bread. There was a very rare occasion when she let the fire get a little too warm and the bottoms of the loaves would get a tad too dark, but that was forgivable. The bread was delicious and it seemed everyone in town came for Mary's bread and Hannah was glad to be among them, certainly for the bread, but mostly because Mary was her dearest friend. So on this particular Tuesday, Hannah and the 12-year-old Elizabeth made their way around to their usual stops and finally came to where they could smell that wonderful aroma of freshly baking bread. They opened the door and right away Hannah noticed a small group of women off to that side of the room. She recognized Miriam and Deborah and she didn't recognize the third woman wondered if it was Deborah's cousin, who she had heard was visiting from the village of Bethany. The women were leaning into their conversation and speaking in hushed tones, whispering and occasionally looking around with sidelong glances. Hannah sensed immediately that the conversation was not going in a good direction. She waited quietly, and as she waited, she observed that Mary was trying to pick up on the conversation, and at one point, Mary asked a question of the three women that seemed to Hannah a bit too interested and aimed at eliciting some bit of private information. So right then, Hannah spoke, Mary, I think the fire's getting a little warm on that side. You might want to pull that wood back a little bit. Mary checked her fire and said, no, it looks fine. But with a warm face and a warm smile, Hannah said, No, Mary, I'm quite sure the fire is a little too much on that side. Pull that wood out a bit. Mary looked at her friend a bit puzzled, and then seeing a slight lift in Hannah's eyes, the light came on in Mary's brain. There was a bit of a sheepish look on her face, but a moment later, a look of understanding and gratitude was directed right to Hannah. So Mary turned and said, So, Miriam, you wanted two loaves, is that right? Miriam disengaged from the hushed conversation, picked up her bread, and made her way out into the morning light. Deborah picked up her bread as well, and after greeting Hannah and Elizabeth, made her way out with her cousin alongside. And when the others had left, Hannah smiled her warmest smile at Mary, told her she had the best bread in the world. And bidding, bidding her shalom, she turned with Elizabeth and headed home. But once they were outside, Elizabeth turned to her mother and said, Mom, why were you telling Mary her fire was too hot and to move the wood away? It looked just fine to me. But even before Hannah could say a word, the light came on for Elizabeth as well. As she remembered words she had often heard in their home, when she and her siblings were heading into questionable conversations. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and when there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. And as they walked home together, Elizabeth felt her admiration for her mother rise even higher. 
and wondered if she might be that wise and winsome someday. So here are these proverbs. They're addressing something every one of us recognizes, something we all face. So what are they saying? What is God saying to us here? Well, I want to answer that this morning, but before I do that, I just want to say again something that is just so much on my heart as we go through this series in Proverbs. We cannot let these Proverbs just stay on the level of good advice for living. Now, these are God's ways being set before us. Things that come from and reflect God's heart. You know the Bible speaks in a, a variety of ways. Sometimes the Bible speaks through history. Sometimes the Bible speaks through poetry. Sometimes the, the Bible speaks through direct instruction. Here, the Bible is speaking through Proverbs. But it's all in making known of God and His ways, His heart. It tells us who God is, what He's like, and it tells us what is pleasing to Him. And then add to that this life-changing thing. Jesus came and he died to completely break the power of sin in our lives. And to give us new life and to give us the spirit so that we actually can live in a way that is pleasing to him. I mean, let's be clear on this. By God's grace to us in Christ, we actually can be honest people which is very pleasing to God. By God's grace to us in Christ, we actually can be self-controlled and humble and loving, which is very pleasing to God. By God's grace to us in Christ, we can actually be wise in every area of our lives. So let's see what God's heart is for us here in this regard. Let's understand his ways, how he wants us to live for our good and for the good of those around us. I think it's fairly clear what's happening in these verses. Verse 20 lays out a principle using an illustration. Verse 21 lays out a parallel principle using a very similar illustration. And then verse 22 links back up to verse 20 with an additional bit of very pertinent information that we need to acknowledge and be aware of. So let me just briefly comment on each of these verses separately and then I'll try to summarize them as a whole with three steps in order to help us see how this gets worked out very practically in our lives. But let's make sure we understand what these verses are saying. Verse 20, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. That's pretty clear, right? Remove the fuel, the fire dies down. But we know this is not instruction on fire prevention. It's an illustration of something else. And what it's illustrating is, in the second part of verse 20, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. What's the point? Stop the whispering, stop the, take the whispering away, and quarreling stops. Now we'll come back to that word quarreling in just a moment, but let's, let's first look at that word whispering. It's a way of speaking, I think we all know this intuitively, it's a way of speaking about gossip. It's talking about the fact that often when we gossip, we, we kind of lower our voices, either literally or symbolically, by saying things like, don't tell anyone I said this. 
It's telling secrets. It's, it's spreading private news about others. Look over at Proverbs chapter 11. I'm going to have you look at a few different places this morning just to see how often the book of Proverbs speaks about this. Chapter 11, look there in verse 13. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. You see? This is spreading private information about another person, telling negative information about someone to hurt them or to, to show that you're in the know. Look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. You get the picture, right? Saying things about other people behind their backs in little conversations. We know what this is talking about, this whispering. But now, how is that related to quarreling? Well, that word, quarreling, actually speaks about relational discord, contentiousness, tension between people. Whispering, we know this, whispering can introduce tension and end up doing a lot of damage to relationships between people. Gossip so easily produces, it fuels relational discord, people now thinking about or wondering about others. Gossip can ruin a reputation. And it can destroy friendships. It can cause deep pain in people's hearts. So the point of verse 20 is very clear. Gossip, whispering, is how the fire is kindled and how the fire is kept going. So don't whisper, don't gossip, don't feed the fire of relational tension. Remove the whispering. Verse 21 has a very similar image although it addresses a slightly different issue. It's not so much gossip as quarrelsomeness, but the point is exactly the same. Verse 21, as charcoal to hot embers and as wood to fire, so is quarrelsome, a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The quarrelsomeness is the fuel for relational strife. So remove the quarrelsomeness. Take that out of the equation. Now, verse 22 Solomon goes back to the whisperer, and he makes a really important point. I mean, we recognize the truth of verse 22 immediately. We know what he's saying with this little proverb, especially there at the first part of verse 22. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. I remember attending a reception. I think it was in connection with one of my children's graduations, and it was in this fancy room and everybody's all dressed up and there were these people walking around with trays. You ever been to a reception like this? And they had these just wonderful bite-sized like morsels. And uh, they would come by and you know, of course politely take one but you wanted to take six and you couldn't wait for them to come back around because you wanted another one and there were all sorts of these just absolutely delightful tasty morsels, they were delicious, they go down so easily, you want more, they're so appealing. And gossip is just like that. It has the same kind of effect. Within each of us there's this appetite, it's so hard to resist when we hear, did you hear? I can't believe what I heard about. It's like one of those little morsels. They're just so tasty. And then look at the second half of verse 22. 
they go down into the inner parts of the body, those whisperings, that gossip doesn't just bounce off and have no effect on us, it goes into us. It has an effect. So verse 20, whispering fuels quarreling, relational tension. Verse 21, quarrelsomeness also fuels strife, relational tension. Verse 22, whisperings are really hard to resist. That's what's said here in these three problems. But now, let's try to look at this as a whole, as practically as we can, and let's let God's word be a mirror to our hearts. Let's let God's word be a light to our paths to show us how to walk. Let me just organize this under three headings to help us examine ourselves and to help us benefit from the wisdom that is here. Let's think about motivations, let's think about effects, and then let's think about solutions. First, motivations. It will help us, I believe, to look at our own hearts and see what is it in us that motivates this tendency in us toward gossip. So let's deal with the reality of our hearts, not just what comes out, but our hearts. There are, I believe, two main motivations that the book of Proverbs talks about underneath, behind our whisperings. One of them, sadly, is malice. Sometimes it's just plain malice. The desire to hurt somebody else. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 16. I want you to see this. Look at Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 27. God's word says, A worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. Do you hear that? A worthless man plots evil. He intends to do harm. There is actually a desire to damage someone's character, to damage a person's standing. That's one motive, motivation that, sadly, can be in our hearts, and every one of us is capable of that. But there can be another motivation at work in our hearts as well. It's a little less malicious, it's, it's a little more subtle, and that is the desire to be, to be perceived as, as an important person. Someone who knows stuff. I, I can feel this sometimes, and it can be hard to resist the desire to let people know that you're in the know. Look, I want you to see something. Look back to just one chapter from our text. Verse 25, or chapter 25, verse 9. Proverbs 25, verse 9. Listen to this. Argue your case with your neighbor himself and do not reveal another's secret. Did you know that was in your Bible? Argue, you got, you got an issue. The person to talk to is your neighbor himself. Don't take that and talk with somebody else about that. Argue your case with your neighbor himself and do not reveal another's secrets. What that's saying is, if there is some issue that needs talking about, go to the person. Don't go talk about it with someone else. Friends, there are motives in our, in our hearts underneath and behind 
what we say. So let's let the light of God's word shine in on our hearts so that we can let God's transforming grace do its work there and put those desires, the desire to hurt, the desire to puff ourselves up, to death. Second, let's look at effects. Um, looking at motivations should sober us. Looking at effects should really sober us. I see three effects of this whispering. First, there is an effect on the person listening to the gossip. Look again at chapter 26, verse 22. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Yes, as listeners, we love gossip. We find it delicious. We gulp it down, but it's poison. And the contagion goes down into us, and it makes us sick. It damages, here's what it does, it damages our perception of the person who got talked about it, colors how we see them. Don't think that hearing whispering is some small thing. It has an effect on you. Second, it damages the person being talked about. And I guess this is the obvious one, right? It damages their reputation in other people's minds, and it can damage their relationships. Look over at chapter 17, verse 9. It's one of the most sobering things about this all. Chapter 17, verse 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. The gossip can do irreparable damage to people and to relationships. And third, it damages the whisperer. Let's not forget that. Their own soul is poisoned. They're, they're out of God's path of blessing. They're, they're walking in sin. It's not harmless. Listen, it is clear from here and a hundred other places in God's word, God sees this as a very serious wrongdoing. And because of the effects of this sin that can be so destructive, he speaks so sharply about this sin. He hates this sin. Listen, you, you might want to turn here. Proverbs chapter 6. It's a passage that might be somewhat familiar. Proverbs chapter 6. We should look at verse 16. There are six things that the Lord hates. That's, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? There are six things that the Lord hates, and then seven that are an abomination to him. And as soon as you read that, your, your eye wants to run down to see what that seventh thing is. But here's what Solomon says. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and here it is, one who sows discord among brothers. The Lord hates, and one of the reasons that he hates this sin is because of its effects. All right, we've seen motivations, we've seen effects, let's look at solutions. In other words, what does wisdom look like in this regard. Well, very simply put, the wisdom that these Proverbs are calling for is very practically this. Refuse, refuse to participate in gossip. Don't speak it. 
Don't listen to it. Or to use the language of verse 20, remove the fuel. Know with God's help when to keep your mouth closed. Know with God's help when to close your ears. Don't get involved in what doesn't concern you. Don't take up the offenses of others. Learn how to graciously redirect conversations. If it's with a friend, be a friend. And throw them a lifeline like, like Hannah did for Mary. I mean, here's a couple questions to ask when there's some issue. Number one, are you the right person to be talking? Number two, are you talking to the right person? Are you the right person to be talking about this? And are you talking to the right person? If the, if the answer to either of those questions is no, then don't talk. Or if you are on the listening end, and you know that the person talking to you is not the right person to be talking about this, and you're not the right person that they should be talking to, and this can be hard, we know this, but you've got to say something. You've got to remove the wood. And maybe the person that's talking is going to be offended by what you say. Maybe they'll be helped and they'll tell you, thank you, I needed that. But listen, if God approves, it doesn't matter how they respond. I mean, it's nice if they say thank you, but it's God's well done that you really want to hear. Friends, we need to hate this sin of whispering and gossip like God hates it. But God loves, he delights in those who bring peace, who contribute to shalom and safety and protection and love. You know, at one point Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And when I hear that, what I hear Jesus saying is there's rest, there's peace, there's safety, there's refuge in me. And I believe that's what he intends it to be like in his body as well, of which he is the head. That's what he intends it to be like in the church. I know we're not going to do it perfectly all the time. God knows our frame. Jesus knows our weakness, and there is real forgiveness when we mess up. Thank God. But because of the life we have in Christ, we actually can do this well. And we can grow. So let's receive this wisdom, these words to live by, for our good and for the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for once again speaking so clearly to us. Thank you. We sense, we know the goodness of this. Even though it might sting, even though it might be corrective, we know the goodness of this. We know the goodness of your ways. And so, God, we pray, having heard your instruction in this regard, we pray, Lord, help us. We want to live in a way that's pleasing to you, and we want to live in a way that's like Jesus. 
so that those around us can experience peace and rest and safety and protection and love. God, help us to help one another, even at times when it might be challenging to say something. God, give us courage and grace to help one another. God, we pray that you would make us more like Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. Let's stand together with our mass song and let's make this our song prayer. That we would trust God's word.